Slightly foggy here where I live this morning in Moral, Maine, and where I'm coming from, but I understand down in Belfast, it's quite foggy. Uh, Friends down there can't even see the water from where they are perched, and they're not that far away from the bay. Not far, I mean like feet. I'm not talking like, you know, a mile. I'm talking feet away from the bay. They can't even see. So, uh, you know, on a foggy morning, a good remedy is more coffee. Although, I guess that probably only speaks to mental acuity, not the ability to see the water. I don't think drinking more coffee will clear that up. But the sun will come out, and uh, it will be clear, and you will have a fantastic view from your perch if you're somewhere there in Belfast. And uh, anyway, we are in the book of Ephesians. We're in the fourth chapter. 
and uh, we are going to pick up. We, we covered a little bit of this last week, and sometimes I purposefully overlap uh, some of the verses just to kind of recapture some of what was being said last last time and then moving forward into the, the thoughts in front of us. But I do say hello to everyone, uh, those that are listening live, those that brave the brave the, the morning time uh, with me. I certainly appreciate that. Anybody listening in just a little bit later, uh, we are glad to uh, glad to have you listen in as we just try to simplify the Word of God, make it something understandable, uh, not palatable. It isn't always palatable, but always understandable for the everyday person like you and me. So uh, again, welcome. We're in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I will have on the screen the, the text uh, if you're following along and it can can open your own Bible. I always encourage that. There might be something that you want to circle, underline, highlight, uh, and uh, maybe get a notebook out, something like that. But let's jump in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Uh, this is where we left off last week. We finished up with the, this verse, and I'll just make brief commentary on this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, do not sin. Now, just kind of recapping this, we said that there are a few different ways that we can take this particular verse. Uh, one is uh, some would say, well, this says never get angry. Well, actually, this verse doesn't say never get angry. It says in your anger, do not sin. So you can be angry but you shouldn't sin if you do. Now, how can we sin if we get angry? I mean, some of the things that we'll do sometimes when we get angry is we will, um, we might swear, we might cuss, uh, we might uh, uh, say many disdainful things that we might say that might be an angry response, uh, a sinful anger. Uh, we back, we backtrack that. If I could scrub that off, I would, but, uh, that would be a sinful response when we are angry. There are all kinds of things, the things that shouldn't make us angry that do and the things that should make us angry that do. Either way, whenever you get angry, do not sin. Uh, do not sin with your language. Do not sin by throwing something at a wall. Do not sin by punching a wall. Uh, do not sin by kicking the dog. Do not sin by... Uh, saying something unsavory to your spouse or to your kids or to your parents or to your neighbor or to somebody in the body of Christ. You might be angry, but don't sin over it. Now, sometimes if it's an, someone has offended you and you're angry, you need to go work it out. That's, that's the bottom line. You go work it out, or at least make the attempt to. And uh, sometimes people don't want to work it out. And Well, now it's on them, really, uh, honestly. And that, that is my my take on it, simplified take, that if you've tried and you, you've you put honest effort in uh, and, and you're met with resistance, you need to step back and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to work in the other person's heart so that you can work something out. But, but don't live sinfully in your anger. We can be angry about uh, governmental choices. We can be angry about uh, laws that are passed. We can be angry about politics. We can be angry about gas prices. We can be angry about inflation. We can be angry about all the things that we're feeling right now here in uh, 2022, that the summer of 2022, 
We can be angry about all those things. Maybe you ought to be angry, but let's not sin when we get angry. That, that's what Paul's saying. In your anger, do not sin. Then do not let the sun go down when you're still angry. In other words, deal with your emotions. Deal with your relationships before the end of the day. Because what happens is if we continue staying angry, uh, what, what can happen is it, it, it can kind of settle into us and we can become bitter people. And, and bitterness is not becoming the Christian. Uh, we ought to be the reflection of joy and hope and love and peace because we have the Spirit of God living in us. So we need to deal with our anger, uh, with our anger uh, before the end of the day. In, in some way. And so I just, I want to encourage you uh, as we look at this verse, do not let the sun go down where you're still angry. Verse 27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. He can get a foothold and the way he gets a foothold. And we stay mad. When we continue to stay mad, we give the devil a foothold in our life. We give the devil a foothold in the relationship. Uh, we give the devil a foothold in the church. We give the devil a foothold in our witness. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that we can give the devil a foothold. Now, now some would say, well, you know, a Christian, there's no way that uh, Satan, uh, the, uh, the enemy, that the devil uh, can get a foothold in a Christian's life because we're Christians. Well, then why did Paul write this? Paul wrote this because he knew that the devil could get a foothold. He, he, he you know, this is before modern psychology and all the psychological stuff that we might say. Uh, the devil simply knew that, uh, I mean, Paul simply knew that the devil could get a foothold in a believer's life, especially in, in areas of emotion. That's why we should not run on emotion. That's why we should run on uh, from intellect, intellect stemming from belief. So you take your beliefs that then direct your thoughts, uh, that, that may, maybe then even direct your counsel from somebody, uh, that then even do uh, direct you. Uh, into your actions, and then you let the emotions be the last thing. Let the emotions come last. Now, th that is a general rule, I think, that is a good rule to follow. Um, it's not always the case. Sometimes our emotions need to be front and center. However, I think the general rule of thumb is let your, let your beliefs, which come from Scripture, direct your thoughts, then direct your actions that that then will direct your, your your resultant attitudes. Do not give the devil a foothold in our attitudes. Do not give the devil a foothold in our emotions and staying mad and, and all those types of things. We give the devil a foothold in that type of a way. Now, now I've been seeing behind me here just a little bit uh, on the screen some, some comments. I just want to see what might be there over on the other side in the comments. Again, I just say... Good morning to all those connecting uh, everywhere from uh, right here in Morrill, Maine, or Belfast, Maine, or Belmont, Maine, or Knox, Maine, uh, all the way uh, over to um, Nairobi, to Kenya, to our friends there. Good morning to you, Mazaki. We are glad to have you here. Jumbo Buana. I don't know if I said that right. It's been a long time since I've said that, but big morning or good morning to you, our friends uh, over in Kenya. Glad to have you listening in with us uh, as we 
just teach our way through the Word of God. Uh, Don commenting, Don helps us to manage the, the, these pages. He says, my girl and I won't go to sleep at night being angry or upset with each other. We agree to talk things out through God to settle any differences between us. That is what we need to do as the general practice. Now, sometimes it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes there are things that happen that we make each other mad and it takes a little bit longer to work it out. you got to talk it out. you got to think it out. But generally speaking, I think, I think this is a fantastic rule of thumb in relationships to try to talk things out between each other. Uh, I think this, that, that's just a stellar thing, a right thing that we ought to try to do. So I just I encourage that. But then also looking at the verse, the other another application is sometimes there is the need of being angry. I mean, again, we've already talked about governmental policy. Um, sometimes there there are policies that are made, things that are, are created that we just agree with that make us angry. But we shouldn't sin in the angry uh, in in our anger. We maybe you protest, maybe you write to your senators, maybe you right to take approaches. Don't just go on Facebook and YouTube or or uh, places like that and just start spouting out a bunch of stuff that, that makes you, and more importantly, makes Christ look foolish. So in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Just don't do it. Think of the ways that we can give them a foothold. Don't do it. And then it goes on and says in very practical, these are kind of some some do's and don'ts for the Christian life, and they're not, they're not all what we think. You know, sometimes the do's and don'ts used to be, uh, uh, I do not drink, I, I do not chew, I do not go with girls who do. Um, so all those different things, none of that stuff. But Paul goes into this realm, and, and, and perhaps what he's saying here in this next verse, verse 28, has to do with maybe impoverished situation. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. So don't steal, uh, but work. Do something useful with your hands that you might have something to share with those in need. Um, the, The thought really behind this is, uh, when you're in an impoverished situation, the, the tendency might be to steal. Uh, when you're in an impoverished situation, the uh, tendency might be to manipulate uh, your way into someone's money, or it might be to manipulate uh, someone out of money. Uh, I'm not talking embezzlement necessarily, but manipulation business dealings, things like that. He has been stealing, must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands. I mean, the, the necessity of work, Paul says in another place, he says, if a man will not work, he should not eat. Uh, and I know for at least American Christians, that that is something oftentimes that conservative American Christians will run to comments like that. See, if you don't work, and, and they'll, they'll talk about people who are on uh, social mechanisms to to help either pay their bills or give them food stamps or so on and so forth. Well, look, the economy is such a wreck uh, and has been such a wreck the last few years and has been going a, a bad direction. Uh, sometimes people do what they need to do. That, but but here's the thing. If, if they just want to sit at home and play video games 
and and not work, and they're able to work uh, and, and continue. This is this is where the conservative Christian gets into these things, and, and not go out and try to do something. I work two jobs, and uh, partly because it's a calling. That's mostly the reason why, uh, because I, I I have a sense of calling here to to do what I do here. I have a sense of calling to see see uh, kingdom partnerships developed all over the state of Maine. And uh, I mean, that, that has become so ingrained in me. Um, and, and to see that take place through uh, the partnerships of, of Christian higher education and preparing pastors and missionaries and teachers and, and people of that nature. Uh, so there's a lot of work that, that gets done uh, in the course of a week. I'm not complaining about that. Yet there are some people who, you know, 20 hours does me in. I just can't hack it. We've become wussified in America in many ways and uh, in, in not being able to work. And I know that's a very strong statement that I just made, uh, but I see I see too much of that. Uh, and the other thing, though, that's changing is, is people are learning how to do things and make money in different ways than what we're accustomed to. Uh, and that's not a bad. They're working. Uh, I know people who are working very hard at at uh, at all kinds of things that they're that they're trying to do. A podcast. I mean, I'm doing that as well, and, and not necessarily at this point for mon- for mo- monetary purposes, although that is coming. Um, but it's a lot of work, a lot of effort that you have to put into these things. He who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work, it says, doing something useful with his own hands that he have may have something to share with those in need. Um, some people can't work. Uh, and I know people who shouldn't be working who still work. And, and, and why do they work? Because they're just, they're, they feel they must work. They must do something. Some people physically have things that hold them back from being able to work yet. I've seen people that can go out to their own disability and, and maybe that's legit. I know I'm treading on some thin ice here, but I'm going to tread there anyway. Cause I think we need to think these things through who seem to have more toys and more gadgets and more ability to go out and enjoy all those things than, than other people. And it's like, and, and yet you can't work anyway. This is what this is an area where you take a verse like what we're looking at in verse 28, uh, and, and we have to wrestle through what is the application for us. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. I'm going to move on from there. I, I think I've labored this point enough. The last part to learn to be a generous person. You know, instead of instead of having greed and gain, how about having generosity that, that we would have something to share with people in need? And, and that this is a way that the church should live, that when there are those needs, uh, that we can meet those needs. And, and some of you stepped up on uh, Friday, Thursday, Thursday, I guess, last week, and uh, uh, made some contributions into the Benevolence Fund at Veracity Chapel. And we were able to help uh, so far at least one person that I know uh, really needed the aid, and uh, uh, and I know she was very, very appreciative uh, of of the church. That's what the church should do: have something to share. Whether it's and some of you, some of you that that maybe shouldn't, maybe aren't in a position to do it, or are inclined to, hey, here's a hundred dollar bill, 
here's because you are a generous person and uh, such an appreciated thing and something that uh, helps others and encourages others, but to learn how to share with those in need. Now, verse 29 gets into our language. It says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I would hope that I I am increasingly becoming a person that is worth listening to. Uh, I would hope that uh, I'm increasingly becoming a person, whether it's in a one-on-one conversation uh, or whether it's in a small group or whether it's in front of a congregation, whether it's over the airwaves, um, that what I have to say may may benefit those who listen, that I might be of encouragement and 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 positive result in the things that I say to other people. Now, unwholesome talk. Uh, There are some Christians who who think, well, there are swear words like taking the Lord's name in vain, and that's something that we should not do. Uh, As an example, uh, you know, GD this, and you know what I'm talking about, or, or to say Jesus Christ, but not in the sense of, him as the person or sense of worship, but but really in a derogatory way. Um, I, I really believe that that is definitely, definitively unwholesome talk. But then then among Christians, there is this array of other words that, that some would say, we well, you know that's a curse word, that, that I'm going to tend to stay away from that word uh, because it's more toward the unwholesome. If you... If you uh, had a, a range of words, uh, perhaps those some of those words might might tend toward being more unwholesome. Some people say them, and, and, and as a Christian, I just want to say, I mean, if you have a brother or sister that says some of those words that to you are like, that's just not language that I would use, but yet they use some of that language, maybe you just suck it up and go, we're just in a different place. And you don't have to talk about it. It's just within your being to say, we're just in a different place. And, and, and I don't know... Uh, Within me, sometimes I flinch at some of the things that I do hear some brothers and sisters say, and they will say, "Well, it doesn't say in the Bible that that this word is a bad word." And you know, uh, uh, I'll give you an example without saying. Well, I'll give you an example. At least, at least our American friends or English-speaking friends will will understand this. I am ticked off. Well, th- there's another word that they will substitute for ticked off, and. And, you know, some of, some of you go, I say that doesn't bother me. It's what's the big deal, you know, and others of you go, yeah, it's kind of more of an unsavory word. Uh, let the spirit of God direct you. Let the spirit of God convict you in terms of what is unwholesome. I mean, there's, there's unwholesome words and, and I don't know if it's Swahili or, or what, uh, what dialect you might have over there, Mizaki, that, that you guys speak in, in, over in Kenya, because I don't know the tribal background uh, from which you come. Um, but there are things that you'd say, that's unwholesome talk. That, that's regarded as unwholesome talk and things that we just simply should not say. So you have to think about unwholesome talk. Now, unwholesome talk, I mean, other other things that, that maybe could classify as that unwholesome talk. How about... Um, uh, the jokes that sometimes we will say, or sometimes the flirtatious thing that you might say to somebody that's not your spouse. And it's just, you're having a little bit of fun, but but maybe that's unwholesome talk that, that shouldn't come out because, you know, is it something that can lead to something that can lead to something that, that maybe is not 
good and godly at all. Um, unwholesome talk, coarse joking. Uh, let me bring up some uh, other translations to see how they might render this. Uh, let's bring up the New Living Translation down at verse 29. He says, do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So to ask ourselves, you know, are our words encouraging words? Uh, the message, paraphrase. Let's take us down to that to see how that renders. Uh Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. To think of your words being gifts. Just want to encourage you to let your words be a gift. That's a, that's a good setting for that, to, to think of our words being gifts. And sometimes uh, sometimes we say the words, sometimes we write the words, but but to allow all of our words to be a gift to someone else, to, to be a balm, that's B-A-L-M for the record, not B-O-M-B, but to be a balm, a, a salve to someone else's soul, uh, to be an inspiration to someone, to be an encouragement to someone, maybe to, to help someone direct things in their minds, uh, we had some friends over last night. We're in the midst of a rather large decision, and so we invited some friends over to um, to help us just kind of think through this decision that, that we've now concluded on and, and uh, move continue to move forward with the decision, and, and it was helpful. But these are people that their words are a gift, and uh, they they provide good counsel, and they help help you think through in that way, maybe your words are a gift. You provide insight. You provide clarity. You provide counsel. All of these things that, that you can do, that your words would be a gift. That, again, in the message paraphrase, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Now, I, I'll be honest. Sometimes I wish that some Christians would get convicted over some of these things things just flying off that it just aren't becoming the, the character and the nature of Christ that just maybe don't glorify Christ and, and to learn how to hold those things as, as we should hold them. So watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. Let me take us back into the NIV uh, 1984 version and we'll continue on. So I mean, is this, you see why I decided to come back to this uh, this week and uh, for us to be able to, to talk through because it, it's so pertinent to us. I don't know about you. I mean, there are times, uh, yesterday morning was one of the times, we, you know, we're, we're, we're moving toward the phase where we don't have to be quite as alert and attentive to this new litter of puppies that we have. But that first week especially, and then first week and a half or so, you really, really become attentive to, uh, have to be attentive watching mama and watching the puppies and making sure everybody's good and whatnot. I was so tired yesterday morning, and it was Sunday. And, uh, you know, I almost let, left a, a bomb off my tongue. And Yes, the bomb. And it was like, because the irritation that was there. No one was there to hear it, but Jesus was there to hear it. So it's like, 
Lord, you know my heart. You know right now. And so you know what I did to calm myself? Now, you can't do this, but I held one of those little tiny little puppies in, in, in the palm of my hand and up on my chest and just kind of the one I was irritated with that squealed all night long, and it calmed down. I calmed down, and even through that moment, the Holy Spirit ministered just to kind of calm the whole irritation down. Verse 30 says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, we looked at this verse when we were back in chapter 1, but we bring it up again. I mean, the the last part of the verse, with whom you were sealed, that harkens back to chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, uh, just talking about um, uh, the Spirit who seals. If you remember... And you can see movies, uh, television programs like Downton Abbey and others or, or, or old uh, English movies, maybe The Queen or something, where they would seal uh, envelopes with, with some melted wax and then take a little signet ring and, and, and press into the wax, in essence sealing it. That would be the seal of the sender, uh, something that would only be opened by the person who could open it, who, to whom it was addressed. Um, that is an example of a seal. Or if you go to a notary and, and they get out their seal, and it's not just the stamp of ink, but all, but but literally the the, the crinkling of the paper through through the um, through that little press that they use the, 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 to notarize a document. That idea of being sealed, it's permanent. It is uh, uh, something that that does not go away, cannot go away. Uh, that cannot be eradicated. We are sealed. You can be absolutely sure and convinced of your salvation because it's the work of God on your part. But now the first part of the verse says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the first part. Do not grieve. Now, there are a couple different words that gets, get used here. One word that gets used uh, is, is grieve, as we read here. Another word is the word quench that you would read over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Well, just what is meant here by, by grieve the Holy Spirit? Uh, to simplify this, to grieve the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit's going, ah, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't say that. Uh, don't, don't go there. And yet we, we kind of just go like this to the Holy Spirit and, and kind of flip him off and say, well, I'm going to go do it anyway. Any of us can grieve the Holy Spirit, but Paul is uh, encouraging us, directing us, instructing us that we not grieve the Holy Spirit by doing these negative things. Maybe the things like we that we just read, like the unwholesome talk that could come out of our mouth or any number of those things like that. Um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. It's when he convicts us. Don't do that, and we do it anyway. That grieves the Spirit. Quenching the Spirit is when the Spirit is trying to prompt you to go and do something, and you don't do it. The Spirit is prompting you, hey, give that person $100, and you don't give them $100. Uh, the Spirit is prompting you to, and you just don't do it. And so I encourage us to think through uh, what we what we do, uh, how we act, uh, to not grieve the Spirit. Uh, also, I talked to somebody yesterday uh, that said to me, you know, sometimes you just get the sense that, that maybe the spirit is prompting, and then they, the operative word may be there, and, and sometimes maybe it's not the spirit, sometimes it's the flesh, but but to take a positive action when, when you're inclined to do so. 
I mean, that's kind of fuzzy. Is it us thinking it? Is it the Holy Spirit directing? More often than not, perhaps, it's the Holy Spirit trying to direct us to, to take an action, to give a gift, to write a word, to make a phone call, to say a prayer, to any number of things in that way. And yet we quench them because we don't follow through. Sometimes it's very clear in the scriptures the things that we need to do, and in that way we quench the Spirit. Uh, but but then also the promptings, the workings of the Spirit. Now, one of the things I want to say to those that who, whose Christianity oftentimes equates out to theology, uh, apart from um, life in the Spirit, there is so much written, so much that Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit, John 14, 15, 16, a lot of stuff, things that Paul writes about the Holy Spirit, that, that he is not only a theological construct. He is not only a theological concept to inform our theology. The Holy Spirit is uh, a part of the Godhead, a part of the Holy Trinity, uh, who, who works in men's hearts, who uh, directs us, who wants to fill us, who wants to guide us, who wants to instruct us, who wants to teach us. Uh, and so we need to treat the Spirit of God uh, as the living being whom he is, and not only as a theological construct. And, and there are some who, who take that approach that are so uh, wigged out by the Holy Spirit and, and maybe so um, counter-reactive to those who, who maybe go further with the Spirit than really is the Spirit. Uh, and, and both sides can be an error to neglect uh, or disregard the promptings and the wooings and the workings of the Spirit because your theology warns you or makes you think that I, I can't I can't be getting all about the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's error equally over on the far end of the other side where it's all the Holy Spirit and there's things that people are blaming the Holy Spirit for that really he's not doing. Um, and... Uh, uh, it's so much about the Holy Spirit and very little about Jesus. Uh, I believe there's error there, and, and I think we need to work through uh, where is the proper place uh, biblically uh, to understand what the Scriptures teach about the work and the role of the Spirit, and then for us within our per person, within our being, to learn how to live life in the Spirit. So verse 30 said this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Then it goes on and says in verse 31, more of the do's and don'ts of the Christian life. Get rid of all bitterness. And I'm going to I'm gonna read it a little bit differently than it's written here. I'm going to state it a little bit differently than, than you will read it with your eyes. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of all brawling. Get rid of all slander. Get rid of every form of malice to get rid of these things. If you have bitterness, you know, the person who is being affected by bitterness might be more people than you, but you are being affected mostly. If you're a person who's holding on to bitterness, think of what it's doing to your soul. Think about what it's doing to your relationship with, with God. Uh, and bitterness does affect other people because if you're a curmudgeon and if you are a bitter just sour, bitter person. It does affect everybody around you. The scriptures tell us, get rid of bitterness. If you're a rager and an angry person over whatever the issue, 
He says, get rid of the rage, get rid of the anger. If you're a person who brawls now brawling, you know, I, does this mean you're rolling around in the bar over top of the tables or up over the bar, you know, like, like a classic Western bar fight or something like that? It could mean that, but, but the brawling oftentimes comes about with a tongue. And so Paul goes on and talks about brawling and slander and then every form of malice, the things that we might say maliciously about other people. We are to get rid of those things. Let me put this into the message paraphrase for us. Uh, because I, I believe it will, will heighten our sense of understanding or um, at least illustrate for us how we might understand and apply this. Uh, he's, he simplifies it to fewer words. He says, make a clean break with all the cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. I mean, it, this just zeroes it right in, dials it right in to get rid of the, the, the cutting, backbiting, profane talk. The New Living Translation, same verse, verse 31. Uh, sorry about that. It says to us, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behaviors. I mean, with what we preached yesterday, what I preached yesterday, which came directly out of 1 Timothy chapter 1, and what we see here today, it's like, Lord, clean me up. Clean up my life that I would get rid of the bitterness and the rage and the anger, the harsh words, the slander, as well as all the types of evil behavior. And then it concludes, what ought we to do? Instead, be kind to each other. Be tender-hearted to each other. Forgive one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I mean, if God has forgiven us, if Christ has forgiven us, we need to learn how to forgive other people. When we think of all the things that we have done that uh, would be offensive to God, then look at um, the things that people do to us. Sometimes the things someone else has done to us pales in comparison, yet oftentimes we'll, we'll choose to be bitter, we'll ch choose to be angry, we'll choose to speak harsh words, will we'll choose to speak malicious, slanderous, gossipy things about other people. But Paul says, no, no, don't do that. What you ought to do instead is be kind to each other. What you ought to do instead is be tenderhearted toward each other. What you ought to do instead is, is forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. How different would, would the church be? Uh, and then resultantly, how differently would the world be if, if we as Christians let alone the world, but if we as Christians would would be ones who would really make application of these verses, especially the last verse. I think of everything that Christ has forgiven me for and everything he continues to forgive me for, and how can I help but not try to be forgiving toward someone else? And uh, then and sometimes this necessitates working some things out. So um, this is the teaching of the Scripture how we ought to be living out our Christian lives. Hopefully this has spoken to you. Hopefully this has encouraged you. Maybe it's convicted you. Uh, we need the Lord's help to live these things out. That will be our prayer, uh, that the Lord will help us to live these things out. So, Lord, we come before you, ask that you would help us to live out your word. We need the Spirit's help. We need the Spirit's clarity. We need the Spirit's instruction. We need the Spirit's strength. Empowerment. 
to live out the Word of God. So we look to you and ask that you would help us to, to live out the Word of God and thus glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Lord, hear our prayer. Have a great day, everyone. We will see you tomorrow.